Hello and welcome to Under the Lights, episode two uh, with the Major. Um, thank you for coming back to listen after last week. Um, and what a week we've had. The Premier League has returned. We had VAR incidents. We had a Man City masterclass. We had a Merseyside derby, which ended in a nil-nil result. Um, and this week, we actually have a guest with us today. Um, I'm not alone, as I was last week, so you won't have to listen to me purely for 45 minutes. I'm here with my ex-colleague, Jack Walsh, a.k.a. Walshy, a.k.a. the biggest Aston Villa fan in the market. How's it going, Walshy? I'm not too bad, mate. How are you doing? Yeah, very well, thank you. Very well. Um, I think the best way to kind of start today is just to get straight into it. Um, so the Premier League was back, came back last Wednesday. Aston Villa got a point out of Sheffield United. Some people would have said, you know, it was a point gained. It was a pretty controversial game with the VAR. Uh, well, VAR not coming in, but also the goal line technology not working, um, which potentially cost Sheffield United some points there. Um, so kind of my first bit of conversation that I want to have on this game is just what were your thoughts around the technology not working as for one? And then what are your thoughts on VAR not stepping in to give Sheffield United the goal? Okay, okay. Well, initially, I was very happy the technology did not work, as you can imagine, being a, <laughs> yeah. being, being a Villa fan. Um, so, so yeah, I think I was very happy that that the technology didn't work, um, and uh, and obviously it led to us, I suppose you could say, gaining a point. But before the game, I definitely went into that one thinking that is a game we need to get three points from. And I'm sure, mm-hmm. we'll, obviously, we'll talk about fixtures um, a little later on in the show, etc. But but Villa's fixtures, some of them are not as kind um, as, as as they look. So um, so we really did need to go into that one uh, to, to get some points. So I suppose a point gained, which is fortuitous in terms of the technology not working. Um, my thoughts on the on the scenario um, in its entirety, I f- feel a little bit sympathetic towards the officials, really, because there's a lot of a lot of kind of hoo-ha around. Well, why didn't VAR check it? Why didn't they go back and review it? And why didn't they give the goal? But I think if you look at in that moment of the game, you've got Hawkeye, which over 9,000 Premier League games has not really had any issues, if any, that you can think of. So, so mm-hmm. the trust and the reliance on the technology for Hawkeye is 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 as high as it can be for anything. So I think the, the referees and the officials have obviously looked at it and thought, well, to the naked eye, it might have looked over, but Hawkeye obviously tell us off, you know, regularly when it's not gone over. So they've trusted explicitly in that technology in that particular moment. And obviously the VAR official at the time would have trusted it as well. Um, and I think that's why they, they didn't go back and review it on VAR because they, they trusted wholly in, in the system. If we compare that with VAR generally, look how many kind of errors and issues there have been over the course of the season so far with VAR. So obviously the trust and reliance in VAR this season is a lot lower than it is in Hawkeye. So I think that's possibly why the officials didn't go back and check that one. Um, and being a Villa fan, very, very happy that they did not. No, no, I can, I can imagine. Um, definitely, definitely helped you out pretty big there. And as you said, you know, we've got 9,000 games um, also with goal line technology, Hawkeye, which has worked. It's been fantastic for football as a whole. Um, and I think if you'd have told us at the very beginning when we're, we're going to implement goal line technology, we're going to go 9,000 games not have an incident and then we're going to have one incident everybody would have taken that um i think that's without question so i think it's been great for the game um as you said the officials you've got to feel a bit sorry for them because you've got the managers that are going to go up to the officials complaining players are saying you know what's happened officials they're going to look at his watch and say you know it's not gone what do you want me to do i'm not i i'm going to trust hawkeye because it's worked previously um i can't overrule that but what I, and I know you mentioned about VAR, but what I kind of feel like with that is everyone, like, it wasn't a case of just the commentators mentioned it, because sometimes you'll pick up something, commentators will pick on something up on something that the viewer isn't. I mean, it was immediately in my group text, that's over the line, isn't it? That's over the line. I think that's over the line. Even the commentators then mentioned it. And then when you saw the replay, it looked clearly over the line. So what I'm struggling with is VAR must be watching that game. I get that they would put trust into the goal line technology, etc. But it was so far over that I, I struggled to understand why they couldn't pull up a VAR, have a look at it um, when the ball went out of play and, and look at reversing that decision. Now, what I don't agree with, though, on this um, subject is that people say, you know, that VAR decision has cost Sheffield United 
three points. I disagree with that statement because football matches are always different after a goal. So yeah. the way Aston Villa would have approached the rest of the game is very different to um, how it would have been had it stayed nil-nil. So if there was a goal, Aston Villa are going to push forward more. They may be able to create more chances. I think we saw that you know, yesterday when they played Chelsea. So Chelsea, as soon as Chelsea went 2-1 up, Aston Villa looked a much better team than they had for the past, you know, I don't know, 60, 70 minutes before that. Mm. Um, so I don't agree that it's de- necessarily cost Sheffield United the points. But at the same time, I do feel sorry for them, have sympathy for them, especially when they follow that up with a loss to Newcastle. Um, really bad week for them to start the season um, off again as such. Um, so... T- do, I mean, from here on out, do you have trust in kind of goal line technology again? Do you still do you still have that trust that you had before this game? Yeah, I think so. Um, like like we just said there, over nine thousand games, there's been one incident of note that's 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 led to this controversy. So, you know, that's what a fraction of a percent, if if if, if even smaller than that. So, I have a hundred. I've got a hundred percent confidence in Hawkeye. I think if we're if we're putting our reliance in technology, um, then we we've got to kind of be mindful of that you know there may well be errors and mistakes. I think they are, there's been way more than you would want over the course of the season. Um, but Hawkeye in itself is in, you know, pretty reliable as we've seen. Um, so, so I, I'm quite happy with it. And I think it just, you know, you'd rather have that and have that, like you said, one mistake in 9,000 than, than not have it and, and have many more. Yes. The ball was fairly quite over the line. I wouldn't say there was massive daylight over the line. Um, I'm thinking back to, what is it, uh, Roy Carroll, United, Tottenham, many, many years mm, ago. Yeah, that time, yeah. you know, Lampard against Germany, you know, those are clear over the line with a bounce next to the line, etc. Um, so if if there's, as the as the Hawkeye system said, if there's enough occluency, is that the word, to to kind of block the view of the cameras on that post in that particular moment, then surely there's enough in there as well to which led to the the referees not going back to check it on VAR. Obviously, you're going to have all the Sheffield United players wheeling away, celebrating, claiming that it's a goal. But like Greedy said after the game, of course they're going to call for a goal. You, you call for any, th- any shout mid-game, be it a throw-in, be it a free kick, be it a corner, just to sort of see if you can put any sort of pressure or influence on the officials in any way to, to get that decision your way. So so I, I, I'm i I'm fully behind Hawkeye um, and, and will take one error in 9,000 all day, every day, even if it happens against Villa, you know, in, in a few years' time. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. And I agree with you 100% on that. Um, I think throwing in a devil's advocate opinion is like, what if it happened again this weekend? At what point do we start to lose our faith in the technology? And not only technology, but lose our faith in the people that have the um, power to kind of go back and overrule decisions, you know? So it's definitely something to keep an eye on um, moving forward if this happens again. I don't expect it to. I think it's... um, you know, a one-off, but um, yeah, it definitely had an impact on the game. Now, Walshie, as an Aston Villa fan um, this season, I guess it's been, an, I'd, I'd describe it as an interesting season for Aston Villa fans because there's a lot of clubs kind of down at that where you are at the moment. I mean, I mean let's just have a quick look at the table. So you've got uh, Norwich at the bottom. I think they're they're goners. And then you come you come into this Aston Villa, Bournemouth, West Ham, Watford, Brighton aren't out of it yet, although they had massive three points at the weekend. What's your thoughts been this season um, in the Premier League? How do you feel about it kind of moving forward over the next few fixtures? Um, I think with many Villa fans like myself, there was a lot of optimism at the start of the season um, with, with what we were going to do. Personally, I didn't get ahead of myself and I didn't think it was going to be a case of we'll go and spend 150 mil, we'll, we'll bring in 10, 12 players. Um, we think they're good. We think they're up to scratch and, and we'll go and compete mid-table or even higher like a Sheffield United, for example. I was a bit more wary than that because of the amount of recruitment we had to do. There's been a lot of um, flack in terms of how much money we've spent and, and, and how many players we've brought in. But I think we've got to remember there was a hell of a lot of players leaving last year. Um, at the end of their contract and some of them Mm -hmm. were were nowhere near Premier League standards so there would have had to have been that many signings anyway Um, overall I am disappointed with the season especially the latter half but I think I think we've we we started okay and we definitely um, put in a lot of performances and and you know got a few results that that were that were good that were positive that you would think right that's a foundation to work from and we'll kick on from Um, but it, but it, we never really got going. I think over the course of the season, in my personal opinion, we're starting to see that some of the signings and some of the performances are just not up to Premier League standard, and, that, and that's impacting us uh, yeah. a lot. A lot of reliance on on Jack Grealish, um, 
which I think he's he's carried fairly well and, and he's led the team fairly well. But again, you know, the team can't go on kind of not performing uh, as it needs to um, and just rely on him solely in terms of carrying the team. And, and if you compare his, you know, his, his return in terms of stats, uh, goals, assists, etc., you know, the majority of, of those, uh, I believe, earlier part of the season rather than rather than the last kind of you know five to ten games that that we've played so yeah. so i think um i think we, we've struggled on on that point um we've we've got the opportunities in front of us but we've had the opportunities as well in in recent games you know we've got newcastle midweek we just had sheffield united we we nearly nicked something against chelsea um mm-hmm. but i think what stood out for me from the chelsea game was again just uh not necessarily poor performance but a few things that have that have gone against us across this season which are, are are our own downfalls in terms of you know our awareness um on the pitch our uh, our organization i think that the second goal pulisic's goal yesterday uh, against us um was just poor defensive play from the wide areas one to allow the space and time to get the cross in from the right and then no tracking on the other side for pulisic to just walk in at the back post and just about get it in you know in off the bar looks good but yeah. i don't think he was that confident striking yeah it. and then I'm unlucky with Second goal as well, with Giroud. Yeah, a bit of a deflection. Absolutely, you know. Again, uh, really difficult with that in terms of the deflection and taking it away from the keeper. You know, on another day that could be Hurahan or Mings block that, and we and we take a one-one. Um, I think we need to look at the games. Uh, you know, in part yesterday against Chelsea, the cup game against City, um, the the two-one narrow loss earlier in the season to Liverpool at home with their last-minute winner. We've got to take the bits from those games that we've been doing well and try and replicate them and try and get them out again. Um, I'm really worried now because I think we needed points against Sheffield United and Chelsea. I would have loved to have taken four points out of those games or a minimum three. Um, mm. We're we're very fortunate in that those teams around us are also not pulling away. You know, Brighton got that win against Arsenal and they've just started to pull away. But your, your West Ham, um, Bournemouth, Watford are still in and amongst it. But yeah, I absolutely. feel... Out of those teams, Watford have shown the most in terms of being able to get out of it. You look at the, I think, the win against Liverpool pre-lockdown. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Great performance. And that gives them kind of, you know, uh, encouragement and confidence moving forward. And, and and psychologically, they're 16th. So they've got that 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 place gap between the bottom three. That that helps as well. Um I just think we just need to be better than Bournemouth and West Ham on the running. So um so the so the games and the performances will speak for themselves now. Absolutely. And I'm just looking at the table at the moment, Walsh. Um, and I mentioned last week um, on the podcast, so listeners from last week will know this, is that I said that last season in the championship, you get a team like Norwich that play unbelievable football um, and look, you know, going to go into the Premier League and they could, they how they're going to play. And they, if they're going to play that same style of play, they're not going to do well. So I'm just looking kind of at the differences at the moment. You know, you've got Norwich, Aston Villa, at the bottom. So Sheffield United, who are in seventh, who also came up, they've only conceded 28 goals this season. Aston Villa have conceded the most in the Premier League at 58 goals. And then Norwich have conceded the second most at 55. So do you think that, you know, when we've, we've mentioned the signings before and having a lot of players leave, but it's necessarily like Sheffield United, based on pure talent, probably haven't got a squad that's more talented necessarily than Aston Villa, but they've got players that know their role. They're not trying to go do something more than they're capable of. Um, and hence they've been able to stay in a really organized, regimented way, consistent throughout the season, got great home record. Um, is it going to be the defense now where Aston Villa say, you know, we've got to shore this up over the next eight games to have any chance. Or do you think it's going to be the opposite? Cause at the moment they're kind of, concept of we will score more goals than the opposition isn't really working for Villa um, at the moment. No. And I think, is it Keenan Davis that's uh, started playing up front? Is that the, the young lad? I'm so he actually, he fan. looked quite bright. He looked mm. quite bright um, in the game against Sheffield United, especially. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Keenan Davis. He's a academy product, so he's he's come through the ranks. And um, I really like, I feel he's got a good balance of the kind of physicality that the Premier League needs. Um, 
uh, and he's and he's decent technically. I thought he was really unlucky against Sheffield United. If you remember the um, the ball that was clipped in from target from the left over Egan's head, and mm-hmm. um, Keenan Davis has got the run on him, chested it down towards the side of the goal, just kind of like moving away from goal, and really, I think it was just a really good half volley attempt, and, and Dean Henderson just pulls out a worldy save as he has done over the course of the season for them to deny yeah. him, uh, you know, a goal which potentially nicks it for us there. So I, I've been a big fan of Keenan Davis for for a long time. I think he's had a couple of difficulties with injuries um the lockdown's probably been a benefit to him as well as another couple of players in terms of injury return because he had a hammy injury um just before lockdown so this has allowed him to get back fit and um and and take the starting spot away from uh samata who we brought in from um from genk i believe it was or, or one of the teams in, in the belgian league yeah, so I've got to, i was pretty surprised sorry to cut you off i was pretty surprised that samata didn't start um against Sheffield United because he had been looking kind of like he I'm not saying his technical quality is out of this world or anything but he just looked like he'd given Villa kind of that energy mm. um he's winning a lot of headers etc uh scoring quite a few headers as well um were you surprised not to see him in the starting lineup no, not really, actually. Um, I think that's maybe my optimism for Keenan Davis. Um, I think Samata's got all of those things that you just mentioned. And if you look at the the kind of the initial um, buzz and reaction when he first joined and his first few games, and I thought he was, I thought he did really well in the um, in the final against uh, Man City that we that we just lost. Yeah. He, he got our goal, and um, and I think his. I think his movement and things like that is really good. He was starting to get up to speed with kind of the physical physical side of things uh, in terms of you know holding the ball up and um, and being our outlet. But I just think Keenan Davis offers a little bit more. You know, he, he's just that little bit bigger in height wise, but also stature. He's a he's a big lad, so he's 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 got some strength behind him as well. Um, so I wasn't surprised to see him start and then Samata come in and feature. Um, and I know Dean Smith said the other day that he pulled them both into the office and said, "Look, we're going to be sharing the workload between the two of you. Keenan's getting the nod over the next game or so." And because these games are coming thick and fast, I think it's a case of you probably will see Samata start uh, a game or two uh, moving forwards. I think it depends on what he expects from the opposition that we're going to play against and and having a Keenan Davis who's maybe got that kind of bit more about him and, and can maybe hold the ball up really well over Samata. Um, that's probably why he's got the nod over Sheffield United and Chelsea games. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. I can sense that. And, and as you said, games are coming thick and fast now. So we've got eight games left in the season. Just having a look now at Villa's kind of running. So Newcastle away, that's going to be a tough game, especially after the, the way they played. Um, must win, though. Yesterday, against, it is a must win. Um, Wolves at home on Saturday. Again, that's that's not easy game. Wolves, are, Wolves can win away from home as well. They beat, I think they were away at West Ham. Um, mm. 1-2-0. Liverpool away. United at home, Villa. Uh, sorry, I've got Palace at home, and <laughs> Everton away. Easy one. Um, <laughs> um, uh, Arsenal at home and West Ham on the last day of the season. So last game of the season, West Ham. That could be a huge game. That That's could be a game, isn't you it? You know, let's see. Both teams could be still fighting for that spot. So with that running, one, how many points do you think that you need to stay up with? Um, and two, because I don't think, I think other teams that I've seen kind of in that relegation, I don't think, I think Bournemouth have less of a chance staying up than Villa from what I've seen. I think Bournemouth, I mean, the team's almost given up on them. Um, I don't see anything from them that tells me that they can win games at the moment. Norwich, as I said, I don't see anything from them. Um, but Villa, I do see, I see some potential. I think they've got the best player out of that top, uh, sorry, bottom kind of, five or six clubs in Jack Grealish that could, mm. you know, can take the game by the scruff of the neck and get something out of it for you. So you've got eight games, some really hard ones in there, you know, Liverpool, United, Everton, Arsenal, whether you're saying that's a hard one or not at the moment, I'm not sure. Um, so eight games, how many points do you think you need? Um, oh, it's a tricky one, isn't it? I think you want to, everyone wants that 40 point mark, but I don't think that's realistic. I don't think you'd need that to stay up this year. Um, I think we've got to be aiming for 36 points. So that gives us 10 more points needed. Okay. Um, um, so, so you've got to be looking, I think that's correct. Uh, let me just have a quick look. Yes, yeah, so 10 more points. Yeah, so we're on 26 points and that will take us 36 points. So maybe leapfrogging Brighton or, or, or to, yeah, um, depending on how it goes. Um, I don't know. I think it's difficult to kind of, 
you obviously want to set a target. You want to think, right, we need to work towards those 36 points. But at the same time, I think it's relative in, in who's getting points around you. And if we were to stay up, for example, with 33 points because everyone else is losing around us, I'd, I'd take that um, mm-hmm. all, all, all day long. Um, but I think Newcastle is a must win um, on Wednesday. You know, you, you can't, you can't drop points against Sheffield United. You can't, um, you know, you've got to try and steal something against Chelsea in the position you're in running up at half time. And, you know, with Wolves, Liverpool and United as the next three games after Newcastle, you've got to, you've got to be looking at the Newcastle game, Crystal Palace game, uh, Everton as, as games we need to get points on. Um, mm-hmm. And the West, and to be honest, you want to try and avoid having to do something on the last day of the season against West Ham. But inevitably, we're probably going to have to. So, so let's just let's just see what happens. Um, Arsenal, I yeah. think they're playing at the moment, and and they're in such a transition period. You know, Arteta being quite vocal in the week uh, about the performance last week uh, or the weekend. Sorry, um, I'd like to think that's you know, if you look at Wolves, Liverpool, United, Arsenal you would pick Arsenal out all day as a team that you can get something for. And, and if you look at the game earlier in the season, I think it was 3-2 to Arsenal. That's one where you think we should really have got something out of that. And, and we, we go back to the, the conversation about uh, technology at the start of the, of the podcast. Well, if we take that that uh, Arsenal game, where I think we lost 3-2. Well, Aubameyang's free kick shouldn't have stood because under the new rules around how many people can be around the wall at any one time, um, if you've got mm-hmm. more than three or four people in the wall, it shouldn't have stood because you had an Arsenal player in the wall. Um, and then we've seen some of the penalties that have been given this season and we don't get a handball against Arsenal, which yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Or getting a two, two. So you've got arguments there. And if you look at, and if we go back to the Sheffield United game again, you know, if we, if we just rewind a little bit and talk about the technology there, you know, if Pogba's getting a penalty against Dyer, then surely El Ghazi gets a penalty against um, Sheffield United, which looks like more of a clearer kick on him as he shifts the ball away than Dyer's on Pogba's did. So, absolutely. so, uh, I think that's maybe more consistency of the official at that particular time because we've got to remember yeah. we haven't got we haven't got the same official doing VAR for every game. It changes, so you have yeah. got that element of perception um, at the moment. Absolutely, so, and a lot of the VAR decisions are subjective. What someone thinks is a penalty, someone else will not. You know, and that's why we love football is because we all have different opinions on different things within the game. But I do think, as you've mentioned there, and you've alluded to it, the one thing that we're screaming out for as football fans is consistency. We thought VAR being implemented would provide us with that. I think that it's been a bit of a shock for football fans to get used to, you know, having a VAR overturn a decision one week, but not overturn it a different week. I also don't think that the different rules they apply in the Champions League, that doesn't help to have, you know, Champions League VAR as if it hits the hand, it's given as a penalty. Whereas Mm. Premier League is a little bit different. Um, I don't think it helps. I think there should be consistency above on the board across across the board um, in both competitions. But as you said, consistency is a massive thing. Um, so what's your prediction? Are you saying Villa are going to stay up? Or do you think uh, by the skin of their teeth, are they going to go down? Who who goes down if you think Villa stay up? My my confidence meter in, in terms of Villa staying up at the top and, and Villa getting relegated at the bottom is is edging ever slowly down. I think the, the Sheffield United and the Chelsea games have kind of knocked the meter a little bit and it's it's down into the kind of the mid-ranges now. Um I think I'd be in a better position to answer that question on Thursday morning after we've played Newcastle, <laughs> <laughs> if we've got three points or not, and, and obviously seeing how the other results go. But I I hate to say it, but I, it's looking unlikely. However, you know, are we worse than West Ham and Bournemouth are at the moment? I'm not too sure. You know, Bournemouth have had the the kind of the fiasco with Ryan Fraser saying he's leaving at the end of his contracts and um, and he's not going to play. Or Howe's come out and said he's not going to feature at all now um, on the yeah. run, rundown of the rest of his contract. West Ham haven't clicked at all either. You know, they've they've similar to us. They've brought in some new signings. Four Nows. You know, we thought he could kind of light things up. I think they brought in Sebastian Haller as well. He's been hit and miss. Yeah, hit and miss as well. So I just think, well, are West Ham any better than us at the moment? Are Bournemouth any better than us at the moment? Probably not. Norwich, I don't think will climb back out of it. I think they've had a couple of injuries in the last week or so. With you know, I think they've had is it Grant Hanley and Zimmerman, the two centre backs who are out for the rest of the season. I believe that's a huge hit for them in terms of any hopes of getting out of it. You know, with your two starting centre backs, your club captain or your captain's out as well. So, so I think we can write off Norwich. We need to be better than West Ham and Bournemouth. I think we can do it. I think a few things need to change uh, within the kind of the, the squad and, and and how we're how we're approaching games. Um, and I think we can do it, but I'm not as confident as I was going into the Sheffield United game um, uh, about us staying up. Absolutely. So, prediction though: Do you stay up? Do you go down? 
if we move Jack Grealish into a central role, um, yes, we can stay up because that's his most effective and that's where we'll see him having a lot more um, impact on the games. But if that doesn't change and, and we don't kind of, you know, adapt the, the formation and the play around him, um, then no, I don't think we will stay up. Okay, interesting. Interesting. Well, there you have it on Aston Villa. Walsh, um, not necessarily too confident that they're going to stay up. Speaking of confidence, leads me on to the next game. Um, Walsh, you please stick around. Love to get into this with you. Um yeah. David Luiz, who, if anyone, again, if you'd have listened to the podcast last week, I said if you wanted to sum up Arsenal this season, I could do it in two words. I said, David Luiz, I was proved right. Um, and it sums up Arsenal. I mean, this is going in against Manchester City, you need your defence to be strong. You also need to keep the ball better than they have. I know it's easier said than done. But when you lose um, was it Granite Xhaka straight away, David Luiz comes on. Gives away a penalty, gets a red card. Shocking, really, um, for Arsenal. I'm sure all Arsenal fans, you can, everyone watches, sees the clip, sorry, of Arsenal TV. Where are they going? You know, what are they doing? It's hard to explain what, what's going on with Arsenal. And then they follow that up with a loss to Brighton, um, last minute loss to Brighton. So I see a team that's completely shot of confidence with an inexperienced manager. Um, I have a lot of admiration for Mikel Arteta. Obviously, he was an Everton player for a number of years. Great servant to the club. First job to go into Arsenal is an incredibly tough job. Um, I know he did really well with Pep, but you're going in to lead a club that's been trophyless for a number of years. Um, very harsh. I, I want to say harsh fan base, Arsenal, because I feel like they have a fan base that feels like they deserve trophies. But, you know... You don't necessarily deserve trophies when you're playing like that. Um, Walsh, what's your thoughts on Arsenal? What's your thoughts on David Luiz? Also, just got to mention as well, City were fantastic. Not many teams have come out of lockdown looking sharp. I think Kevin De Bruyne showed why he is, in my opinion, far and away the best player in the Premier League. Um, and it's good to see them. I think they're going to be sensational moving forward for the I think they're going to end the season on a really good note. Um, what are your thoughts on kind of Arsenal and David Luiz situation? Um, oh, it's like a circus, isn't it? I mean, I, I when I saw that David Luiz was was going to Arsenal, um, was it from Chelsea that he moved? Yeah, from Chelsea. Yeah, I thought that's a bit of an odd deal, and they're not really getting much money for him. But I can see why they got rid of him now, in terms of the the performances and and kind of the what? How can I describe it? Those moments of madness. You know, the City game just sums him up, doesn't it? Um, yeah. I think. Unfortunately, I don't think David Luiz has been the same player since the um, the seven nil drubbing in the World Cup, where Germany Brazil. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. And, and I, but I think what you've got to remember, I think he's always been a bit of a maverick player, and it's always tricky when you're playing that kind of player in central defence. Um, because mm -hmm. you kind of, you know, you, I think there was a there was a, an interesting quote from I think it was Walter Smith who says, you know, you don't. Um, you don't make the genius work for you. You work with the genius. Uh, I'm not saying David Luiz is a genius, like a Messi or someone that you need to kind of, you know, just give free reign to. But you you make that decision as a manager or a coach if you're playing him. And if he's featuring in your squad that, well, you know, you might not be able to change his way. So you've got to kind of, you know, uh, accept that to some extent. And hopefully it doesn't come back to bite you um, too many times. Um, so, so yeah, I don't think he's a player that would feature in my team if I was selecting one. Um, yeah. I think Arsenal generally are in a, that huge transition period, uh, regardless of how, you know, how much they weren't performing or were performing during Wenger's last couple of years. You've got to give him massive credit in terms of what he's done for the club, the the sort of, you know, the trophies and titles they've won earlier in his in his kind of tenure. Um, and because he had such a control over the club, you know, you could probably say he was one of the last standing actual managers of clubs. Whereas nowadays there are so much varieties upstairs in terms of technical directors and stuff like that. It's going to be a huge change for him to step out and other people to come in. Um, I could see Arteta kind of doing a similar um, approach to a Pep Guardiola. So if we think about when Pep went into Barca and the likes of Deco, Ronaldinho um, and Eto were nearly out the door as well because yeah. they, they didn't kind of follow the the philosophy and they didn't buy into everything. Um, mm -hmm. And um, and he did the same at City when he went in, in terms of Joe Hart going and, and, and a couple of other people uh, out the door. I think Arteta's got to follow suit and you've got to look at it really and think, right, okay, who's going to be giving everything for the shirt? Who's who's good enough to feature in a, in a top four team nowadays? Because the TV rights, money and stuff like that have meant other teams can can catch up. You know, your Leicesters, yeah. your Wolves, the Sheffield United's are knocking on the door this season. Um, 
And for example, you know, Sheffield United haven't spent that much money yet. They're up there, but you look at a Wolves, Leicester are back up there again after their title win a few years ago. So, so I think there's going to be massive, massive transition uh, and massive changes for Arteta. And I was speaking to someone the other day and I said, well, on the face of it, you've got to change your whole back four and you probably need to add world-class midfielders because I'm a big fan of Bern Leonard. And I think when he went there, I was a real, real big fan of him. And I thought he could be a top, top keeper. Um, but you can't do it on your own. You need the players in front of you. Um, and I do like Yang, Pepe, Lacazette, um, and, you know, Saka, some of the young people. They've got some of the young lads coming through the academy as well. That that can rotate yeah. in as well. But they don't have that kind of elite, world-class level midfield or, or defence um, mm-hmm. behind it. But Bellerin is not the player he was pre his pre his knee injuries. Um, with the greatest respects to, to Turney from Celtic, he's not, you know, gonna light up the world as a as a modern fullback. You, yeah. you, you know what you I, get. I do him. reserve judgment on Tierney. Um he's had injuries this season. Um so he hasn't been able to get a consistent run of games. So That's I'd fair, be interested yeah. to see him next season. Um mm. I w- I'm not not in the boat where I say I'm gonna write him off right now. Um no. again though, next season's big for him because if the injuries come in again you know, at that point, you Arsenal, you have to say, well, we're going to sign a, a left-back that was going to do the job you were going to do. You know, you yeah. can't keep relying on someone that gets injured all the time. I also think as football fans, well, you, over the last, you know, 10, 15 years, we've been accustomed to talking about the top four, what we meant by that, you know, United, Chelsea, Arsenal, Liverpool, um, City came into that mix, top six, top eight. I really think right now there's a top two, Liverpool, City, and then there's six or eight clubs that, as you've mentioned, with the TV rights, have more money, can go and get better players. That have There's about six six to eight clubs that could fill in those gaps. Like Arsenal aren't now, they're not a top four team, but they're not necessarily guaranteed top six. You look at Wolves, you look at Leicester, um, Newcastle are about to be taken over. They're going to have a lot of money, so they'll be spending. Everton spend a lot of money. So it's going to be really competitive kind of in that space as well. Mm. Um, so... With Arsenal, um, obviously, Aubameyang, they're trying to get him to sign a new contract. Um, at the same time, you're seeing players, but they're trying to get Aubameyang to sign a new contract. But they keep. This is what I don't understand with Arteta: is he's your leading goal scorer, um, and he's been playing. I think he's been playing. He, he had started the season as central striker. He's scoring a lot of goals. Obviously, they may have had a conversation or whatnot, saying he wants to play it on the left or whatever. He's not playing centrally anymore. Um, would you sign a new contract if you're Aubameyang? How vital is that to Arsenal that they keep him? Um, yeah, I think I think you raised some good points there because yeah, if you're Aubameyang and you're one not getting played in your preferred position, so you know you're there thinking, hang on a minute, I'm supposed to be the man here, I'm supposed to be the star striker, and, and I'm and I'm leading the club from a kind of an attacking perspective, and two. If you're watching David Luiz do what he's doing at the back, etc., and you and you're underperforming, and for example, you know you look at Arsenal, have only got two more wins this season than Villa have. Just to put mm-hmm. that into perspective, yeah. um, you you know are you and Aubameyang thinking, am I am I up for this? Um, is there is there too much change needed for this club to get back to where it needs to get to in terms of a top four team, mm-hmm. you know, top top three team? Um, and if you're at the age, you know, he is and, and you're thinking, well, you know, maybe there is a uh, maybe there's another lucrative move or a lucrative contract out there. You know, it could be a it could be a PSG. It could be, a, I don't know, you know, a Napoli or a, or a, or a Juve in the future. Or you never know. It could, it could be, it could be, be a, a club decent, in China. You know? Yeah, or it, it could be that. Yeah, it could be that. I mean, I, I'd be disappointed for that. If that yeah. Happened. I'd still like to see those top, top players perform within the top, top leagues in, in Europe. And, yeah. you know, that move come a little bit later on in their career, maybe. But I'm going to throw they... gonna throw a club out there and yeah. Arsenal fans would kill, I don't know, would kill <laughs> no, me for saying this say and this. they will not be happy if it happened. But I'm going to say it. Manchester United will come in for Pierre Aubameyang next season in the transfer market. That's my. That's a bold prediction. That's a prediction I'm going to stand by. I um, thought you were going to say at Tottenham my... for a second. Uh, Tottenham, no, I, I, I don't. <laughs> I think that's too far. But uh, I, I could see Manchester United. You know, when they went and got, when Fergie went and got Robin van Persie, cheeky move. It's what they needed—a central striker at the club. And they, you know, I think they had him for a couple of seasons. This could be the exact same thing with Orba. I think Man United do need a striker. Um, Marshall, Rashford, not necessarily consistent enough. Um, I'm going to throw them out there as a as a as a dark horse to go and sign him. Um, so. Could you could you also use the same kind of argument for Ober for for a Rashford, for example? You know, is he 
is he a player who who wants to play through the middle and is better suited to playing through the middle, or is he a is he a player that would play around a striker in a, in a front three maybe? So, so could you could yeah. we see Rashford? Could we see the best out of Rashford playing a central role? Um, I don't know. It's a difficult one, isn't it? I think is, is he's still young, Rashford. I think is he twenty two? So I think he's twenty two. Um, he's not been consistent enough for me to say. For, for me to think that Oli can give him that number nine shirt and say, you're going to play central, you're going to be our guy. We're not going to go out and sign another striker. We believe in you. Um, I don't think he's been consistent enough at this point for them to do that with. That being said, that's not to say he doesn't have the ability to. Um, I think he does. It's a shame really that, you know, he goes away to England. You know, Harry Kane's the main man there. Um, so he doesn't get that opportunity at England either. But I'd be interested to see what's, what what happens with that because certainly there's potential for him to, to to play as a central striker further along in his career i think people a lot of players kind of morph into that role as well when you're pacey when you're a pacey forward you're typically sent out on one of the wings now mm-hmm. i think they kind of morph into that needs to score more scrappy goals you know the solskjaer goals um perhaps he needs to add that arsenal to his game yeah, yeah. What did you but, think of City? Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, but again, if you if you kind of look at that as a as a United, would Aubameyang want to go to United, who are probably not in as bad a shape as Arsenal are at the moment, but are still a club in transition? Um, um, yeah, I can see that. I think it would depend if Man United can get Champions League football. If, yeah. For a player like Aubameyang, if you can get if you can go and play Champions League football, mm. that's going to be a big draw. Um, so, yeah, I think it would depend on where Arsenal finish um, and where Man United finish and whatever club goes in for him. Mm. You know. um, what did you think of City's performance come out of lockdown? Probably the most impressive performance we've seen um, out of the Premier League. Yeah, I mean, you, you get what you get with City. I think they, they unfortunately had a uh, had a bit of a bigger blip early in the season, um, which led to them being quite off the pace um, from from Liverpool. But but yeah, they I thought they were really good. Um Obviously, I thought Sterling, his his finish for his goal was 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 excellent, um, and he's just absolutely been transformed under Guardiola over the last couple of seasons, hasn't he? So, so now I thought they looked really good. I think unfortunately, um, that that blip over the over the mid part of the season just just was too much for them, and um, yeah, uh, maybe next season they'll be back up to competing. But I thought yeah. they looked really strong. Um, I'm pretty glad Villa don't have them on their fixture list for the rest of the season. Although strong cup performance, but. Pre that, it was a very, very poor home performance where we shipped six goals. So, um, so, uh, so yeah, it was it was good to kind of for Villa to get a bit of pride back uh, in that final performance. Um, yeah. But no, I thought they looked really strong. Um, I think you know second place is is pretty much you know mopped up for them, isn't it? I mean they're they've got a game in hand over Leicester and they're six points ahead. So you 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 wouldn't think they're going to be they're going to be caught in any way by by Leicester. Um, so, yeah. so I think I think I think Champions League they're they're still in the champs, aren't they? They're still in the Champions League. Yep. Um, we still have to find out what's going to happen with them in Europe moving forward um, as well. Um, or if they're going to be allowed to play or not. We find um, out in July, don't we? Or at the end of this month, what the hearing was? I'm not 100% sure. I, I'm not sure if Corona is going to move that back or whatnot. Um, so I'm not 100% sure. But we still need to find that out. I think the, the news came out that Leroy Sane was um, set to leave yep. uh, Manchester City this week. Um, no surprise. I think all signs head to him signing for Bayern Munich. Yeah. Um, Bit of a shame for the Premier League, that one. Um, bright talent, one of the, you know, Europe's best talents, you could say. Pacey winger, exciting. Looked to have the world at his feet. It looked like City would be moving forward with Asane and Sterling kind of, mm. you know, on either side, spearheading that attack moving forward. Um, this is kind of the downside to Pep's rotation policy, right? It's that, you know, you can't, you're not guaranteeing you're going to start every game um, unless your name's, and even, and I was going to say, unless your name's Kevin De Bruyne, Sergio Aguero doesn't start every game. It looks like they're bringing in Jesus now. Um, bit of a shame Sane's leaving. Yeah, huge shame. I, I, again, I'm, I really like Sane. Big, big fan. Uh, I was so disappointed he didn't get the um, World Cup call-up either, um, yes. which which was a surprising one. But I think if you look back to that time, I think one of the things that you do hear about, you don't know if they're true, but when you hear kind of rumours and speculation about kind of attitude and things like that and uh, an application in terms of kind of games and, and trainings, etc., and, and kind of lifestyle away from football, perhaps although he's got the talent and looks good on paper, he's one of those players like your like your Decos or your or your Ronaldinho's back in the day that... that um, just didn't gel and didn't work with with kind of Guardiola and, and his philosophy and, and getting that absolute 100% buy-in. So massive loss for the for the Prem. 
really like him as a player. I think he's he's got you know the, the pace and the physicality for the Prem. He's very exciting to watch, but also technically an exceptional footballer. I can't really think apart players back back to Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank who can hit a ball as hard as he can. I would not want to be a goalkeeper taking a <laughs> shot or free kick from Leroy Sane because it's venomous. Um, so yeah, real shame for for him, uh, you know, potentially leaving the Prem as and when he gets confirmed. I think it'll be interesting if he does go to Bayern because. Bayern have already got some some exciting players. You know, they've got um, Serge Nabry, who's playing very well. Perisic. Alfonso, yeah, Perisic. Alfonso Davis playing down the left-hand side. That'd be well. a sight on the left-hand side, wouldn't it? Wow. Pace Alfonso of Sane Davis and Davies. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's a team that's built for, you know, Bayern Munich, similar, I want to say similar to PSG in that they're built now. Their focus is the Champions League there. Mm. They should win there, respectively. Um, but yeah, that would be, that would certainly be interesting. Um I think they've mopped Move. up the league. Actually, they they won it last week. Yeah, they won it. They won yeah. it last week. So yeah. league's league's done. Champ champs now. Oh, that's such an interesting prospect for a team to just be able to solely focus on the Champions League now. But I don't um, think it. I don't think it it, it. it adds too much pressure. We've seen PSG mm. haven't been able to get it done. Um, Juventus haven't been able to get it done. By uh, Manchester City, who you know they haven't been able to get it done. And these are teams now. I think they're like the three teams that I would say focus more on and you can throw Bayern into that mix focus more on the Champions League than their respective leagues like that's what they that's a bigger accomplishment for them yeah um, I think I like that. having that competition and obviously Manchester City have the competition in the leagues so they're not going to win it this season but like having um, domestic competition you know Real mm. Madrid and Barca Premier League um, is helpful for Champions League but it's just a mindset I think it helps the mindset of players um, makes them a bit sharper because you can't go, you go, you look at PSG, they go from playing, you know, Toulouse or someone to go and then playing Liverpool. It's a massive difference, a massive different level of intensity as well. Um, Definitely. But, I do, I don't know. I, I've just got the feeling from, from the few games I did watch, I didn't religiously watch the Bundesliga when it came back on, but from the games I did watch with, with, with Bayern, I think that you, what you're saying is right, and I don't necessarily disagree with it. But if we look at the kind of the attitudes and the kind of you could say the momentum that teams are on, I know we're going back a little bit now. But if you look at Liverpool pre-lockdown with the with the wobble in kind of results and the, and the loss to Watford, etc., you know that that could have impacted their their momentum and their rhythm. Um, and City, yes, they can solely focus on the Champions League, but it's not from a wholly positive perspective in that. The league, the Premier League for them is done, so they kind of have to just focus on the Champions League, yeah. wanting to. Whereas Bayern, I think if I'm, I don't know if I'm, I'm right in saying this, but I think they've won ten on the bounce with Click, wrapped up the league last week. So in terms of momentum and and, ex, uh, and things like that, everything is on that high for them. And I get the vibe that their kind of their mentality and their mindset from those games and and you know just sneaking through a couple of the games with a one nil. Um, you know, in, in some of the performances just before they wrapped up the league, I think shows that kind of that that resilience and that grip from a from a from a championship winning team. So I don't know, my my money might be on Bayern for the for the champs because they've got that kind of that positive mindset and that mentality going into it, which I think will just edge the other teams around them that have got some of those those distractions. Definitely, uh, definitely, definitely in the, in the mix, in the conversation. Um, one of the teams that people would look to with Bayern Munich. We shall find out in August. I think the Champions League is going to be played in Lisbon, um, kind of a mini tournament. So that'll be interesting to see how, how that is approached. Um, Friday's Premier League games, we saw Norwich City, Southampton. Southampton won 3-0. Quick word on that. Um, Southampton, Norwich, I think this was the difference between a team that looked sharp, sharper coming out of lockdown as a team that didn't look too sharp difference for me is kind of evident in the strikers Timu Puki didn't look very sharp at all um Danny Ings looks red hot um great finish um picked up an assist to Henry Armstrong as well um so that was that one and then we moved into Tottenham Hotspur Manchester United which finished 1-1 um VAR coming out um to award, I think the referee gave the penalty on the first one and VAR awarded it and then the second one VAR overturned it Thoughts on Spurs, Manchester United? Um, Manchester United probably played better. Um, mm. Spurs I wasn't massively impressed with. They got a goal um, and then kind of sat back, which you know, I mean, people might expect that against Manchester United. Um, probably the most entertaining thing within that game was Roy Keane's <laughs> halftime assessment yeah. of De Gea. Um, what are your thoughts on David De Gea, Jack? Because um, I've been having some debates with my friends and I've been saying... I would sell and I would bring in Dean Henderson from next season. Um, and that might sound harsh, but he is making it's 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 becoming almost a weekly thing. We're seeing these mistakes, saves that he should make that he's not. 
Mm. Well, I mentioned um, the save against Keenan Davis in the Villa game last week, which was which was really good. It, you, I was watching that thinking, yeah, this is just going to be a volley in, and the keeper's going to have no chance in saving it. And it was like it was like it was watching it in slow motion. The way his arm just came out and he tipped it around the post. I was I didn't really comprehend how he'd actually done it, but but no, I think for example. I think Dean Henderson has got the joint most clean sheets this season with 11, I think. Um, I think Alisson, yeah. Him yeah, Alisson, him. And uh, is it Schmeichel or somebody else? Uh, got... Maybe Schmeichel as well. I think yeah, it might maybe be, Schmeichel. Yeah. So that speaks he... for itself. Yeah. No, I think Schmeichel might be one less. One I think less. he was on course. And then Watford scored, obviously, in the last oh, one. Oh, OK, OK. I well, think yeah, I might be wrong. I think there's a third. I can't remember who it is. I saw it on Sky Sports earlier, but I think there's a third. So, yeah, definitely Alisson and, and Henderson. But but no, I think Hen- I think Henderson has been doing really, really well. And obviously, that's kind of, you know, the, the aim of a loan, really, isn't it? Is to allow those young players to get the experience they need, which is going to be much more invaluable than just sitting behind a gear on the bench. So, I think on the basis of performances of the last season or so, unfortunately, yeah, De Gea would, would be moving on for me and Henderson would be coming in. Um, yeah. Unless, you know, he's a young lad and yes, he's had a really good season for Sheffield United. You know, the pressure of going into the first team spot at, at United yeah. is, is a different kettle of fish. And Do, do you think, would, Jack, sorry, do you think that at, um, at a club like Sheffield United, you're obviously, you're going to be more involved in the action. So you have to be alert and you're naturally alert more because you have more coming at you. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's it, it's a thing that at a bigger club that goalkeepers not having that alertness is, that's... That, I don't know. I don't want to say concentration. I'm sure he's concentrating, but do you think that's a, an issue? An issue with the hair at the moment that he's not having that. You know, it might just be one or two saves in a match. Mm. Whereas Henderson's make you know going to have to make I don't know seven or eight, and that's why Henderson's more alert. We're seeing the great saves, whereas De Gea has one or has less things to do, but he's clearly not doing them. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. It's kind of like a top top keeper has less kind of um to deal with but needs to deal with them um in that in that particular moment um it's one of them i think uh there's whatever's happened with de gea and you know potentially the the real madrid interest from 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 years ago and um and maybe just you know confidence because it's not just de gea we've seen it in we've seen it in other players as well hugo Lloris is another example of, of a top top keeper mm-hmm. who occasionally has a hasn't has an error or has a confidence issue and, and even in the world cup for example, he he made some some errors, but Courtois yeah. at Real Madrid yeah. didn't start off great. Again, that Pickford, well, yeah, Pickford. So, so um, yeah, I think I think it's I think it's difficult. I think when a, when a keeper goes to a top top club, they've got to be able to stay focused and, and concentrate on the game all the way through. But there are levels to that concentration mm-hmm. and that focus, um, and maybe their confidence and things like that are impacting De Gea. I wouldn't say he wasn't concentrating for the goal on uh, against Tottenham, but. You know that's 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 a clear mistake. The decision making yeah. leading up to that process is is is, is not right or, or or is off for whatever reason. You know, a goalkeeper coach can probably can probably answer that better better than I can. But I, but yeah, there's yeah. just a miss there. Where did I, I was thinking, racking my mind the other day trying to think where does he go if he was to leave? Mm. Like who could they sell him to? Because Real Madrid now have Courtois, um, Barcelona to Stegen, Oblak, Atletico Madrid, um, uh, you know, Bayern. They sat on their keeper, PSG. What's the name of the PSG keeper? Kings with an A, I'm sure. It's the extra Madrid keeper. Um, but they seem set on him. Um, so, well, and maybe De Gea would get in ahead of him. Um, so maybe I can only really think of possibly PSG as a team that might be in for a goalkeeper, and that's a big might. Um, yeah. I'm not 100% sure. So it'd be interesting to see what happens there. Um, I think it's time for Manchester United to move on to Henderson. Um, I don't, I think if they're going to push for try and compete for the league I mean I don't think they will compete I think there are way, ways from that but a club like Manchester United mm-hmm. that's their aspirations to win the Premier League um, or even just to get in the top four I think they need to move on to someone that's going to be because it's a big eight games now for De Gea if he, keeps, if he makes some more mistakes the pressure is just going to be going to be more Roy Keane will be having more words but we yeah. shall see we shall see um, so on to Saturday's games um, we saw Watford and Leicester City that was a draw 1-1. One, one. Um, ben Chilwell scored a great goal, followed by yep. um, a Watford score, centre-back scoring a great goal as well. Um, we'll touch on these one quite quickly just because we, we'll move on to predictions for the next week. Um, Leicester, points lost. Watford, point gain. Big point gain for Watford, I guess, in that relegation mm-hmm. zone. Uh, sorry, relegation battle. Well, yeah, I think scoring a goal on the 90th minute, you would definitely consider that points dropped. Um uh, and obviously, being a Villa fan, I was definitely gutted to see the Watford equaliser go in because all the, all those points are, are precious. Um, yeah, so I'd say I'd say points dropped for Leicester. Um, 
but again, obviously it was their first game back into the swing of things. So, you know, yeah. you haven't come away with nothing, which which is which is the main thing. Um, I think yeah. it's uh, I think it's a lot of teams kind of finding their feet and getting that rhythm again after after such a long break, um, and obviously not just break from football, but the the actual training they would do on a day to day basis. You know, not, not everybody's as sharp as they would want to be. So they probably they probably would have took a one one before the game, but I definitely think in that particular moment, points dropped by Leicester scoring that goal ninetieth minute. Yeah, what I will say is your boy, Mr. Major, dropped Ben Chilwell into the fantasy team oh, this week. Turns up, I was, uh, I was expecting the clean sheet as well, but we'll take the goal, we'll take the goal. Um, ah, so was I, so was I. Although my Jimenez, <laughs> Traore and Doherty trio for Wolves. Ah, very nice. Through. Very, very nice wall sheet. Um, you won't believe John Ballantyne, the player in our fantasy league. Yeah. This, guy, this guy, just for the listeners, this guy is the best fantasy football player I've ever had the honour of sharing a league with. He, I think, is on 100 points or something um, this week. It's ridiculous. The guy yeah. is a genius. Um, Brighton, Arsenal, massive three points for us, uh, so for Brighton. Um, mm-hmm. Disappointing for Arsenal. Again, the pressure kind of... I, don't want to, there's not, I wouldn't say there's any pressure on Arteta in terms of, you know, possibly losing his job, but there's just pressure yeah. on the team, like, to perform um, moving forward. I do like um, positive for Arsenal. Bakary Saka, I think, is going to be a star in the Premier League. Um, mm-hmm. I think he looked awesome. Um, Talk, talking about fantasy team, Bakary Saka was on my bench, um, uh, but he will go in because um, I had Andy Robertson in my starting lineup. Nice, so Saka nice. will go in. So that's another seven points to go in. So I do like Saka. He is. He was in my starting lineup as well. Bit of a fantasy bargain. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say, and Mesut Ozil looks like he's, that, I think that was him not playing in that game. Saka getting the nod. I think Saka played kind of in the midfield area. He didn't play in the front three or the back three. They still yeah. need to work out what position he's going to play moving mm-hmm. forward as a player. Because he's played quite a few positions. He's played left forward, right forward, left back. Now he's playing in the midfield. So what I'd like to see is a position given to him. But it does look like Arteta trusts the player and thinks he mm-hmm. has a lot of belief in him. Brighton, massive three points for them. Must have been a bit sickening as an Arsenal, as a Aston Villa fan to see that score in the last minute. It did. It did. But at the same time, you know, Brighton are at the top of the pack. So um, I, I would have been a lot Not more good if I'd have seen a, yeah. yeah, I would have been a lot more good if it was like a Bournemouth or a West Ham who were stealing last minute winners. Because just that that buzz and that confidence, kind of that euphoria after after that will kind of helps helps bleed into the next game, doesn't it? So, yeah. so yeah. Not ideal because you want to try and keep as many teams in that in that relegation pack as possible, but not the end of the world. Yep. And then speaking of the relegation pack, we had two other games. So we had West Ham Wolves where West Ham lost um, 2-0 to Wolves and Palace beat Bournemouth 2-0. Um, I watched both games, watched all the Premier League games this week. It's great that every game is being televised. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's fantastic. But West Ham and Bournemouth for me, both quite similar performances in that they, I felt like they offered nothing. Um, both sides didn't see anything from them. Um, I know Wolves scored late on. Um, I think, was it late on the first one? It was like 60, 70 minutes, I think, the first goal. Yes. And then the second goal was later. Um, Adama Traore is a funny one, isn't he? You know, everyone's screaming out, why doesn't he start? Why doesn't he start? Because he comes on and he, you know, guy looks like a, a winger for a rugby side. Mm. Um and he's, he's found that end product this season, but still waiting for him to get the nod consistently in the starting lineup. Yeah, I mean, I'm obviously, I'm not a Wolves fan, so I haven't watched many of the games this year. But I don't know, earlier parts of the season, I did think he was getting a good run in the games. And he was, and he was you know, getting a lot, of, a lot of fancy points. He was getting a lot of returns in terms of kind of key passes, assists and stuff like that. Um, you know, for example, Podba didn't start for United in the week and there's a lot of fans who who want him to start and want him in. So there are going to be decisions by the management, be that, be that in that moment they, they opt for a different player or a different, you know, for, for the style of play. Or maybe they're just not ready yet um, yeah. in terms of getting back up to fitness and getting getting back up to kind of their peak, etc. Um, you know, the fact Rory comes on and, and kind of assists and, and has an impact straight away is massive for him to get a start at the weekend. Um, but I think it goes back to kind of what I mentioned earlier around the Keenan Davis-Samata um, kind of discussion. There are yeah. so many games coming up, mate, that, you know, he's going to play yeah yeah he's definitely going to play and you know because the games are in such close succession you can't have the same player playing 90 minutes every it's not even week in week out now it's every three days so so I think now more than ever it is a squad game and those players will be getting featured and, and will be getting games you know will Jimenez start and play all the games over the course he, he's going to need a break at some point if you want to keep him fresh and in the goals towards the latter the latter part of the um, uh, of the league whilst Wolves try and you know nick that that Euro spot and um, yeah. and keep kind of Sheffield United and Tottenham below them because what a season that would be for Wolves if they can take the Europa League again and finish above Spurs 
definitely in, definitely in the conversation definitely in the conversation um sunday's games in the premier league newcastle united um 3-0 against sheffield united big three points for newcastle um now you know looking at potential top half um finish riding momentum possible takeover on the way we're looking at you know what could they do in the summer they could be big in the in the summer could be spending some cash um so definitely a club to keep an eye on um aston villa chelsea we discussed aston villa chelsea a bit earlier today um merseyside derby bit of a disappointment in the fact that it was a nil nil um which which you know and as an Everton fan, it's kind of a game as expected. Everton would sit back, absorb the pressure and try and hit them on the break, which is pretty much how the game planned out. I mean, Everton had a couple of chances. Richarlison at times looked bright, at times looked a little bit clumsy um, off the pace. But, you know, I, I take that as a point gained as an Everton fan. Obviously, without a crowd, it's going to be hard to replicate the intensity of a derby. Um, I saw Aaron Gordon got the start, so maybe that's what Carlo was trying to do in giving some kind of homegrown players a bit more of that, that know what the derby meant, means. Um, give them a go. Um, do you think it's plain sailing for Liverpool now? Everyone, think, I mean, the league for me, it's pretty much wrapped up. But not getting that win, they play Palace um, next. So you know, if they didn't win that, you know, I'm not saying doubts start creeping <laughs> in because they pretty much have won it. But if they don't, you know, if they if they don't get three points from Palace, all of a sudden that those conversations might start appearing. Do you think it's pretty much wrapped yeah. up for Liverpool, or do you think this, you know, still still work to do? I think it's wrapped up. I think even with a calamitous kind of fall, um, they will still kind of drag themselves over the line. Um, But what a story that would be. Imagine if Pep Guardiola can just muster up a phenomenal finish from City. um, An even bigger kind of, you know, um, slip up from Liverpool. Uh, yeah, it would the be. Double it intention would... there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> imagine that it would be. It would be a crazy footballing story, which I probably would love to see. I'm, I'm sure Liverpool fans will not want to hear that, but but I do think that. I think they've wrapped it up. I think they'll. I think they'll comfortably get over the line. Um, the prospect of beating City and win the league is an interesting one as well. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I think that's at the weekend. Um, I don't think City would want that to happen, but but I think they'll have it wrapped up in the next week or so, definitely. Yeah, I mean, you'd imagine that. You'd imagine that. Um, just going to go back quickly. Um, you know, just skimming through some of the games just because of time. Um, Chelsea signed, announced the signing of Timo Werner this week. Um, Forty-seven million, which I thought, you know, given the prices, is a is a bit of a bargain. Two things on that. One, I think it's a great signing. Um, yep. Tammy Abraham being left out at the weekend as well. I don't know if he was carrying a knock or anything. Um, Giroud got the nod. I imagine Abraham's now going to be second choice striker. Um, not going to start, which is a shame. Um, mm. So I think it was a good signing. I think. Do you think that because the price was lower, do you think that could be a sign of things to come? Kind of following on from the economic impact of coronavirus, we're not necessarily going to see such inflated transfers the way the market was going. Possibly, I think. Um... And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Werner had a release clause set in his contract at that value, which was due to expire within days of Chelsea triggering it. So, okay, okay. so I think I think it was around them. You you know, if you buy him before Friday, you're getting 47 mil. If you buy him after Friday, then we're going to charge you 100. So I think it was a bit of an opportunist. Um, they they picked him up. Um, Tammy Abraham did come off the bench against Villa and um, and had a chance to get a goal against his old club, um, but um, but scuffed it wide. I think it was a header. Um, I think on one hand, it's really good for Chelsea because it adds, adds another top, top talent into um, into the pool to, to to choose from, from Lampard's perspective. Werner is not, I don't know, you might know better than me, but I don't know if he's an out-and-out striker. I feel like he's um, he's one that can kind of feature across the front three. Could feature across. I think he has scored yeah. something like 32 goals in 42 games for yeah. Leipzig this season. Um, so I, I think he will be starting uh, as a central striker. Um, with you know Pulisic looked bright when he came on actually um, Pulisic or Mount and then is it Zayac from um, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that so apologies um, if it is incorrect um, from Ajax I think he would possibly yeah, be on the yeah. other side um, but yeah it'd be in, Chelsea are definitely going to be an interesting team to see next season I'd be interested to see what what other signings they can make yeah um, definitely definitely. I think um, you know Giroud is at the age now I think they've offered him a extra year or two so so he'll add great experience but you know he still can can feature he can still pop up with goals so i think oh, he'll be a great person to have you around know, the squad if, with those young players coming through and if you need a goal late in a game he's a, yeah. what a player to put on because he wins you know a lot of set pieces a lot of headers etc he's there he mm. finds himself in the right spot um yeah so good to keep on to Giroud. 
Great signing in Werner. Going to be interested to see because Chelsea strikers don't always pan out in the Premier League. You know, we've seen some dodgy ones in the past. Higuain, um, you look at Shevchenko, Torres didn't really pan out. Um, mm. I, I think I might be forgetting several as well. Um, so, I mean, since Drogba, really, there hasn't been... And Drogba didn't have the best goals record either. Um, so really interested to see what uh, Werner does for Chelsea. I think it's a great signing. Um, we're just going to run through some predictions for this week's games, if that's all right with you, Jack, if you don't mind hanging sure. around. shouldn't be too long. Um, starting off tonight, Manchester City, Burnley. Um, we'll do a little competition as well. So we're going to try and have a guest on every week and just see who can score the most points. So it is three points for a correct score, one point for a correct result. Um, so I'll make a note of all all of the predictions. Um, can you beat the host? That's a little game. <laughs> so we've got Manchester City Burnley. What's your score prediction, Walshy? Oh, I'm going to go with a 1-0 win for City in this one. 1-0. 1-0, yeah. A I closer do, affair. I think so. Burnley can, can often kind of cause them a little bit of trouble. Um, and, and I think they'll make it uh, difficult. I don't think they'll make it hard work for City, but I think they'll make it difficult for them to break them down. So I'm going to go with just a 1-0 win for City tonight. I think they'll, be, I think they'll take that. Okay, interesting. I'm going to go with a 5-0. No. Um, I think Whoa. City is out there. It's going to be at home. No crowd. I, I really... They're used to that, though, aren't they? I think... Yeah, yeah, they are. They couldn't even get the fans to fill out the uh, screen. Um, I just think, like, a club like City playing like without fans, there's players that will be kind of... will feel less pressure on the pitch. Um, I just think... I, I think they're going to run riot um, over the last eight games. Um not really much pressure on them either in the Premier League. So, you know, uh, we'll see what happens there. But interesting to see. Um, definitely have some City players in for double game week on Fantasy as well. Um, so I'm going to go 5-0. Walshie's going to go 1-0, um, which leads us on to Leicester City uh, against Brighton. Um, Walshie, what are you saying? I'm going to go with a 2-2 in that game. Nice, nice. Um, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree with you on... The outcome, I think it will be a draw. Um, I think Brighton might, building off of their result against Arsenal, want to just kind of see themselves out of this relegation battle. I'm going to go 1-1 draw. Um, we also have Tottenham Hotspur against West Ham. I'll give you my prediction first, just out of fairness. Um, yeah. I'm going to go with Spurs 4, West Ham no. Wow, that is bold. I um, I, I bloody hope it's a Spurs win. <laughs> Being a Villa fan. <laughs> I bet, I um, bet. And... And I do think Spurs at times did show some some good play against United. I'm going to go with a 2-0 Spurs in that one. Nice, nice. Um, so then, what's great about football is football's on every day at the moment. Love it. Um, so then we're looking at Wednesday's fixtures. Um, they come thick and fast on Wednesday. So you've got um, Manchester United, Sheffield United. Interesting fixture. Mm, it is. I think based off Sheffield United's first couple of performances and the, and the, the poor showing against Newcastle at the weekend, um, I'm going to go with a 3-1 United. 3-1 United. Um, I'll take... Uh, and that's Manchester United, sorry. <laughs> yeah. United. I'll take 2-0 United. Um, Newcastle United versus Villa. Huge game for Villa. You said you need three points. Are you backing the Villains to get a win? <sighs> yeah, I'm going to go with a... Um, I'm going to go with a 2-1 win. 2-1 win for Villa. Um, I'm going to go 3-1 to Newcastle. Oh, um, mate, come on. I know, I know. Newcastle looked sharp. They looked sharp against um, Sheffield United. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so go with that. Norwich, Everton. Prediction? 6-0 Norwich. <laughs> nah, not. Um, I'm probably going to go comfortable win for Everton. I'll probably go 3-0. Yeah, I'm going I'm to take a 2-0 Everton win. 2-0 Everton win. Um it be interesting to see how Everton perform. You know, typically, we, there are games where the team just don't perform. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll see what happens there. Wolverhampton Wanderers against AFC Bournemouth. Um, uh, count me in for a 2-1 victory to Wolves. Okay. I'm going to go a bit wider. I'm going to throw in a 4-0 Wolves. Nice, nice, nice. Um, I can definitely certainly see why you would say that, to be honest. Yeah. Um, this fixture... Um, Famous for some reasons, Liverpool versus Crystal Palace. Obviously, Crystal Palace um, were instrumental in stopping Liverpool win the title a few seasons back. Um, I'm going to go, and this again, part overhead, I said this with Liverpool last week, give me a 1-1 draw. Mage, I was thinking exactly the same thing. I was going to go with 1-1 as well. Perfect, perfect. We're, 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 We're agreed on that one. 
agreed on that one. So just go, we're going to run through the games up till Sunday. Um, so then we have Burnley versus Watford. Um, I'm going to take a 2-0 victory for Burnley. Okie dokie. Um, no, unfortunately, I think Watford will, will nick a win there. I'll probably go I'll probably go 2-1 Watford. Okay. Um, Southampton versus Arsenal following that game? Um, again, the state Arsenal are in. I probably would say Southampton would edge it. I'm going to go yeah. 1-0 Southampton. Nice, nice. I'll go 2-1 Southampton. Um, yeah. I agree with you. I think Southampton could win. I also think that for fantasy purposes, and he's not going to be my sixth, so we've got a feature coming up just after this to wrap the shirt, but Henry Armstrong might be a good pick to get in your side. Um, but we'll go 2-1 Southampton. Chelsea-Manchester City, big fixture. It is, it is. I'm probably going to go with a 3-1 City. 3-1 City, awesome. Um, I'm going to go 2-1 City. Yeah, I'll go two one city. Um, Friday's fixtures we don't actually have any in the Premier League. Um, takes us on to Saturday where we have one fixture and that is Aston Villa against Wolverhampton Wanderers. Prediction? Um, I'm gonna go one one. Okay, I'm gonna go two nil to Wolves. Wolverhampton Wanderers. Oh, what are you doing? Sorry, mate. Don't have the belief. Don't have the belief. Um, and then Sunday we have um, one more game um, just to wrap the Premier League up for this week. And that is Watford against Southampton. Um, so for this game, I will be predicting a 2-2 draw. Interesting. Um, Watford-Southampton. I'm probably going to go with a... I've got a feeling Watford 2-1 for some reason. Watford 2-1. Interesting. Mm. So there's the picks for this week. Um, what we'll do, we'll be announcing kind of the scores on the doors um, next week, see how well she's done against us, um, and we'll get a bit of a leaderboard up, which we're going to build on every week. Um, final fixture. Um, again, what this is going to be is your fantasy football bargain of the week who you need in your side that isn't going to cost you too much money so if you're thinking about making some transfers listen out right now um i'm going to go first on this one because i already have my player ready and locked and loaded ready to push it out i'm going to go saint maximan from newcastle united i thought he looked excellent against sheffield united got a goal was man of the match in that game um just looked like a bright spark i know i've talked about this on the podcast where i've said players that play without a crowd sometimes play better um there's less pressure on them i think he is a perfect example of that i'm expecting big things from him um towards the end of the season Walsh, you got a pick for us cool um my pick is saka from arsenal um I think, uh, like we alluded to earlier in the call, Arteta is is he does like the youth and does give them a chance, and he's a really exciting prospect. I do think he's best featured on on one of the wide areas. So, he's I think he's at four point six mil on the fancy at the moment. So, real real cheap bargain to have in there as a squad player. Um, so, I'm going to go with Saka. Awesome. Yeah, no, definitely can see the reasoning behind that one. Um, well, there you have it, guys. Thank you very much um, for listening to today's show. Walshy, thank you so much for coming on. We'll definitely have you on um, at the end of the season to either, you know, rub it in that Villa has gone down <laughs> or celebrate that Villa have stayed up. It'll be one or the other. Uh, but no, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your thoughts with us today. Um, really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Great stuff. Guys, we'll be back next week with another episode. Until then, over and out.